0: The first sacred text this morning is from Mark 11:1 through 11. It's on page 44 of your few Bibles. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethlehem and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, You will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say, the Lord needs it and will send it back immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the Bible, standers said to them what are you doing untying the colt they told him what jesus had said and they allowed them to take it then they brought the colt to jesus and they threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it many people spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, As it was very late, he went out to Bethany with the Twelve.
1: Thanks, Sandy. This is the amazing thing I find about the Bible. I uh, read the same passages over and over again, especially these passages that we get from Palm Sunday uh, through Easter. For me, they've always been the core, the center of why it is that I call myself a Christian, why it is I follow Jesus. It's the center of helping me understand what this journey of life is all about and where it is headed. And yet, I so often focus on what seems central to the story as my brain thinks, that I miss certain things. And then all of a sudden, I see something I've not seen before. And this one's kind of ironic, what I saw this week as I was preparing for this Sunday because it has to do with seeing. So at the end of the entry to Jerusalem reading in Mark's Gospel, Sandy read in the 11th verse, Then he entered Jerusalem and he went into the temple. So I didn't have... First of all, I didn't have my consciousness that that was the first thing that Jesus did once he got to Jerusalem. um, Was that he went right to the temple. And when he had looked around at everything. So he goes to the temple and he looks around at everything. Have you ever done that? Maybe gone to a workshop or a conference or whatever and, you know... You get off the airplane, you finally get there, you put everything in your room, you catch your breath, and you know everything is going to start tomorrow. But maybe you're the kind of person who wants to go around and get your bearings, right? So you look around at everything. So that you can see what you can see. And so maybe you'll get some clues about what you can expect as the week unfolds that you're about to have. So he looks at everything. And as it was already late, he then goes out to Bethany where he's staying. Not in a hotel, I guess, but with the Twelve. I think we'll find out later he's staying uh, with Simon, at Simon the leper's house. But that's for another moment. So this is the beginning of this week for Jesus. Jesus and i want to focus on this idea about what it means to look around and see everything now i know that none of you are like me probably glad about that but um, but i sometimes have the experience of looking at something over and over again it could be this sanctuary it could be a lot of different places and then somebody comes up to me Usually it's my wife and says, "See that? Have you ever thought about that before?" And I'll say, "I never noticed it before." <laughs> it's kind of like a lot of us men—we um, look in the fridge and we don't see any food because we're looking for—we're uh, looking for something we can just grab and eat. <laughs> and there's a lot of things in there that need a little bit of preparation first before they become. Food, (laughs) right? So um, we tend to see uh, for what we expect to see or we tend to see for what we're most interested in. And most of us, we don't see everything. So what do you think it means that Jesus saw everything? Now, here's where my mind went a little bit this week. He went to the temple. Now, why would he go to the temple? There's a number of reasons to go to the temple. He's there for the Passover festival. He's there. People are coming from all around to gather on this day. And the temple is the center of everything. It is the center of everything for those of the Jewish faith. It is the center in Jerusalem of the town. It is the center of the festival time that they are about to engage in. And it is the place that Jesus knows he will show up tomorrow and the next day. And as the week unfolds, he will be meeting with people in the temple who are interested in hearing his stories and his parables and his teachings and his wisdoms and his understandings of what's happening. What what kind of times we live in and how is God working in these times. And Jesus is prepared. He's been out in the countryside. He's been talking about these things. But now everybody's kind of come together. And it's time. But of course, he's also looking around the temple and he's seeing other things. He, He realizes that some other rabbis, teachers, prophets... Marketeers will also be gathering in this temple that's kind of quiet right now. And he probably can picture a little bit of what they're going to be doing. And maybe there's some things he can't anticipate. And he knows it's going to be crowded. He might be wondering how he's going to be received during this week. He might be wondering who else he should talk with and pay attention to during this week. He could not be in the temple looking around at everything without recognizing the potential conflict he might have with the religious leaders who controlled and ran the temple. He clearly knows that some of his teachings are at a step. He clearly knows that they're not happy with everything that he's been doing. We don't really know how much of that he got, how much feedback came back to him, but clearly he knew some of it. So he looks around the temple and he sees everything. Now Mark doesn't tell us this, but I can imagine Jesus then walking outside the temple and looking out first close and then far around all of Jerusalem seeing the whole city. I can imagine him then looking beyond to the countrysides. I can imagine him looking towards the whole world. And I can imagine him seeing everything. I think we're going to see as the events of this week unfold, as the activities that Jesus engages in, uh, in the temple and elsewhere, leading up to what we're going to be celebrating in Monday, Thursday, where we're actually going to highlight some of the experiences and stories that Jesus had during the week, leading to the moment where he gathers with his disciples for the Last Supper. And then we'll take you through some of the other events leading up until the cusp of Good Friday. And then if you come on Good Friday, we'll focus on the events of that day and the meaning of that day. We'll get a little quiet as we wait on Saturday and come forth with the culmination and the joy and the hope that comes out of the Easter story. But as you observe and listen to Jesus going through the week, you realize that when He sees everything, He doesn't just see The looking within, which is kind of the temple. The looking within Judaism. The looking within who he is as a teacher and a rabbi. But he's also turning and looking out beyond the temple. And he's seeing everything. And what does he see? And how is he calling us to respond to what we see today? So... We live in an interesting time. And this week is a model week for what we're supposed to pay attention to. And um, I got a nice compliment this morning because I don't know if any of you saw, there's a new article column in the newspaper uh, that's meant to be kind of like a pastor's column. And one of the boundaries around that is not to do what we might do in letters to the editor or other opinion articles, but to actually be an article to help people consider things around their their spirituality and their focus. And I wrote about prayer um, in this particular one this week. And uh, I was complimented because I was told that uh, one whole family could actually read it without getting mad at me, so that was good. Um, Because I tend to sometimes get in trouble, as you know, with some of the things that I see coming out of the life of Jesus, the calling of Jesus, some of the things that I see uh, we're called to do. And we are called both to learn as Jesus to see everything as we look within. And I encourage you in this week to take serious um, the looking within yourself. Who are you? What is it that you see about who you are? What is it that within you is Stuck and can be unleashed in God's love as we move through this holy week and can be freed at Easter.
0: What is all that
1: stuff? What is the stuff that traps you? What do you see as we look inside? This is like our temple, this is our church. What is it that you see? Maybe, maybe you're a part of being in control of this temple, like the religious leaders. In that case, we might have to work on ourselves, all of us, in terms of making sure we let go of things and see things in the new light, as Jesus would want us to see them, instead of holding on tight to just the forms and the shapes of what this faith is about, but to the new and emerging realities of what's possible in God's love. But either way, looking inside, inside of ourselves, inside of our lives, Seeing everything within the purview of what we have been paying attention to and what we view at the core and the center. That's important this week. But it's also important to step outside, to look beyond, to see the stranger, to see the culture beyond the subculture that we live in, to see what makes us fearful, to see what makes us hopeful, To see even the things we're not sure we want to see. What do we see when we look out? And what does this Jesus who we follow, what does he see when he looks outside and he looks around our culture, when he looks around our world? You know, I'm pretty convinced that the vast majority of the people who met Jesus when he came in on that palmed Sunday day, as we now call it. We don't really even know if it was a Sunday. But as he came that day and he entered Jerusalem, I'm pretty convinced that most of those people were hyped like you get. You know, I'd, I'd go to conferences and I'd say, I'm going because I want to hear so-and-so speak. In fact, I want to go meet them. I'll, hopefully I can get in a little group standing around them and talk to them read a couple other books and it's exciting. You know, as good as that kind of thing is, we get really focused and we don't see out. We just see the little bit that we're excited about that's in our world that has touched us in this moment. But the other challenge of Holy Week is to see beyond. To see the possibilities when we, we let go of our life and the limitations of our life, and the view of what we normally see in our life, and we expand ourselves to see as Jesus sees, when we expand ourselves to see as others see, from another angle, from another
0: perspective.
1: That's all very much what this week is about. is learning and committing ourselves to moving towards seeing everything as Jesus sees it. And so, I don't know what you see these days, in these times, but I want to share two things with you because to me they relate to, to looking out and realizing that as we go through this Holy Week, we can't just see things as we see them. We have to go with Jesus so we can see everything, so we can at least see more. So, the first thing I want to share with you you all you all know that um, that i 've been involved in the uh, ministerial association all my years here. It meets once a month it 's a subset of pastors and ministry leaders from the churches in the area it 's true that most of the churches have not participated in the ministerial, but what is also true is that. During many of those years, I've been one sometimes, or one or two or three at the most, and a definite minority of those who view Christianity from a different lens. I see it different than the vast majority of the people who sit at that ministerial. Um, One of the central people in that ministerial who I've always um, held dear, who many of you know, is now the president of the ministerial, but has always been in the leadership of the ministerial in my time here. Um, And and that is Lloyd Ward. Many of you know him, right? He's got a great heart. And maybe this is an example of how we have to help each other to have some views, because Lloyd and I had to have an exchange this week. um, Because he sent out an email He often sends emails out to the email list of the ministerial. That means it includes, like, my personal email address, but in many cases it includes the church's email address. So he's using the list of the ministerial for ministerial purposes. And I don't want to read the whole thing to you, but he sent an email out this week that that disturbed me, so I needed to give him my view and hope that we could dialogue a little bit about it. Um... So last night, there was a dinner in town. It's called the Lincoln Day Dinner. It's the dinner for the Stevens County Republicans. They have a fundraising dinner every year, as all the political parties tend to do. Um, And uh, he was going to go to that dinner. And so he sent an email out to the uh, ministerial list um, where he mentioned he was going to go and told people how they could get tickets for it. And also said that he was going to be bidding on the Pistol Day on the range training session. Um, You may know that Stevens County Republicans for many years have raffled off uh, an AR-15 at their dinner every year, but they were pressured out of doing that this year because of the Parkland shooting. But they were still doing other things around um, guns and stuff. And he wanted to elicit others in the ministerial, other individuals who were interested in pooling money together to make the highest bid on this. And then they could all share in it together. And um, I uh, gave him my view. And this is my view as I kind of look out. And I'll couch this by saying, I mentioned earlier the annual meeting that I'm going to be going to for that. Hopefully, others will join me from this church. Uh, for the conference, one of the things I have to do every three years, and this year I have to do it, so it's going to be on the day before, is I have to go to professional boundary training um, in order to keep my standing as a as a UCC ordained minister. Um, and part of what we learn in that is there's a lot of things appropriate to do in life, but they're not all appropriate to do within your professional role, within your role as pastor. You know, others in different jobs know that. Doctors and nurses know that. Counselors know that. There's just boundaries and limits around what you can do. So I wrote an email back to Lloyd, and I told him um, that uh, he's a person with a very big heart for people, and I've always appreciated him. Um, And I said, but I need to tell you something straight. I told him, I said I thought it was inappropriate for him to use the Ministerial Association uh, email list to promote a political event. Isn't that ironic, right, for me? Um, the, uh, The ministerial, I said, should have nothing to do with a political event. You know that I've been very active politically, but I've never shared, through ministerial, any requests of a political nature. You give people information about buying tickets, and you solicit people to join you in a bid at this political event, and all this will support a partisan event. And it's inappropriate for ministerial to have any connection to their fundraising. So I said also, this dinner is happening on the same day as the March uh, for Your Lives event happening all over the country, including in Spokane. Um, And I uh, find it a little bit offensive that anyone would be auctioning off gun-related things on that particular day, no matter what they thought of about the subject. Uh, so then I said, uh, likely I have a different opinion on gun and violence issue in America than many in ministerial. And we could discuss this as a group as long as we discuss it from a faith perspective. Um, and I said, it's an interesting question to consider what Jesus would say about guns and violence. What would he see? Uh, either used for protection or to solve problems. I said, I've been maligned uh, over the years for more benign issues than this, so I'm up for a discussion on the subject. I said, however, no matter our political opinion on guns or the Second Amendment or even our faith understanding about how guns fit into Christian life, this forum here should not be used to profit a political party or cause. I'm sorry that you did this. And I asked him to send out another email, which he did do, um, to... You know, say that to the group um, to respond to that um, and uh, I said I, I hope you take this in the spirit of speaking the truth and love that it is intended to be and Lloyd and I uh, at the warming center volunteer appreciation dinner on Thursday night had a nice hug and a little chat and, and he did send out an email and I, I don't share this with you to um, to pick on Lloyd in any way but to say that Don't we all have, you know, one of the things Lloyd said to me is, I never thought about what you're saying. It never crossed my mind. You know? And I believe him. Lloyd's never been a person who's ever played around with the truth in any way. I totally believe him. If we want to see everything like Jesus, we have to expand our view, and sometimes we have to have difficult conversations with each other in order to expand our view to a broader view. We also have to, have to be willing to look out there. Um, so,
0: um,
1: the other piece that I want to put in today, because I think it relates to how we consider who we are as followers of Jesus on a Holy Week like this. We have big stuff going on in our culture. You know, this exchange with Lloyd had to do with some of the gun stuff, and there was the March for Our Lives a rally, uh, march and rally yesterday, which I was at. Um, and uh, I know a couple others from here were there. Um, and uh, there were 5,000 people who were in Spokane marching, and there was somewhere between three and 500,000 in Washington, D.C., and thousands and thousands all over the country. There was one town of 24,000 that had 200 people. And, and all of these marches were led by high school students. All of them. Now, we're standing outside our temple, and we're looking out. What do we see when we see that? It's not a question right now of what's your opinion on the subject. What do you think the answers are? Maybe you don't think there's a problem. It's a question of what do you see? And how do we as a follower of Jesus see everything as Jesus sees it? That's really the question. right? What we can't do, and what I'm convinced we can't do, is we can't say, I don't see it. It has nothing to do with what I do as a follower of Jesus. It seems to have a lot to do with it because hundreds of thousands of people are engaged by something happening within our culture right now. And how do we as followers of Jesus pay attention to that? How do we respond to that? How do we not just become part of the back and forth that everybody else is having? But how do we see everything as Jesus sees it? How do we, when we look inside our temple, how do we prepare ourselves to step out on the porch and look out and see everything and then discern and know how to respond? I am convinced that the more we go deep into the story of Jesus, the more we go into the detail of understanding what this Holy Week journey was about, the more prepared we will be to answer those questions. The more prepared we will be to to see everything as Jesus sees it. Not as we're seeing through our, the limitations of our Culture and upbringing and all that sort of thing, but an expanded vision and a deeper understanding and a willingness to touch the suffering and the wounds and to travel the path, even if it means letting go of ourself, to being hope makers. To being the ones who say there is a path through this to a new time, to a new day, to a new life. So it is my prayer and my hope that each of us will expand ourselves a little bit more to see everything. To go inside and be willing to see what's happening. And to step out on the porch. To expand our vision beyond what just the normal glasses we have. I don't. Have any, any of you seen Wrinkle in Time yet? I went saw it on Friday night. Well, part of the way that they, they get away from, out of the evil situation they're in is these special glasses that when they put on allows them to. You now the movie presents a little different than the book. Um, slightly different, but, but still the idea is the same. Without a certain kind of glasses you, you think you can't get through a wall. You think you can't get out of your situation. Well, as followers of Jesus, we believe that if we can see as Jesus sees, it will be like those special glasses. And we're going to see a way.
0: A way of hope that we never, would never have seen otherwise.